Can the Cincinnati Bearcats get their running game going against Temple tomorrow? Plus, a look back on the disastrous second half against NKU and looking ahead to a stacked Maui field. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Download the, whoops, excuse me. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Alex Frank. With you, your host each and every day, former sports director of Bearcats Media, where I was a play-by-play announcer and weekly radio show host covering Bearcats football and men's basketball. Russ Eldman, back with me today, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, previewing the Bearcats game against Temple tomorrow afternoon, looking back, excuse me, on the disaster second half against NKU, and looking ahead to a stacked Maui field. Russ, I know you go to bed at 10 o'clock every night, but... Do you have plans to stay up a little bit later Monday night? Yeah, I'll occasion, Alex. So I will be watching that game to the wee hours of the morning. And uh, wee hours it might feel like with how this team just fell completely flat on his face in the only real test they've faced so far in the 2022-23 season. Yeah, we'll get to that um, here in a minute. Um, so let's look ahead to tomorrow's game against Temple because – this should be a game the defensive line feasts, right? No doubt. I think that's the number one way and number one matchup for UC to not win this game. If they play bad, they should still win this game. This is a bottom 30 team nationally, bottom 35 team nationally in Temple. I don't care if EJ Warner is leading the nation in passing yards in this month of November. You should beat this team really if you get bad play from – offense and defense and still get a great special team performance like they have all year, they should still win this game. But the cover is going to come down to that 17-point number, that spread that UC is laying to Temple this week, down to the offensive line versus the defensive line. They're terrible, just flat-out terrible, the Owls are, in terms of run blocking and rushing attack. They're 125th nationally in yards per game. 130th in average line yards, 130th in power success rushing rate, 112th in run stuff rate, and UC's defensive line on the flip side ranks top 35 in all those metrics besides power success, which they're 95th, and that shouldn't really come into a factor much in this game in terms of short yardage, have-to-have-it scenarios for the Temple Owls offense in the running game. I don't think they're going to put their offense in that many positions. They're going to try to throw the ball 50 to 60 times a game. If you're the Bearcats, you want to get them over 60 pass attempts in this one, make them very one-dimensional, and make EJ Warner, the true freshman, number one passer in terms of freshman passing yards in Temple history, continue to beat teams with his arm. Boy, I tell you what, um, I mean, what, you're talking EJ Warner up as Tanner Mordecai, it sounds like. I mean, geez. I mean, it might be that. He's 19, only 19 years old and lighting up this conference over the past six weeks. Well, okay. Well, you know who his dad is, right? No, Kurt. Is it Kurt Warner? Is that his dad? It is. Wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. The American underdog. I didn't see that uh, one. Did you see that one, Alex? That that movie? I did. You you know, I, 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 I read the game notes um, 
and I and I was like, is CJ Warner related to Kurt Warner? I don't know. I didn't know how old Kurt's kids were. I know he's got like seven, but he is the son of Kurt Warner. How about that? So um, maybe we'll see him one day in the NFL. So it's interesting to me because like whenever I think of Temple, I think of their running game, right? It's in matchups in the past. What has the game been about against Temple in the trenches? But this game, like it, it has something different to it. Like, I almost think like Temple is different this year because they're so prolific in the passing game. Now, Anthony Russo was a solid quarterback. Jaden Blue had a great season in 2019. But Russ, I feel like when I think of Temple, I think of tough. I think of running. I think of their offensive line. Um, they have a tradition with their single-digit numbers. You have to earn those. So I just feel like this is a different Temple team than we've seen over the years. Undoubtedly. Like, it's it's all pass-heavy. It is all on EJ Warner. Like I mentioned, 2,300 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, but five touchdowns to no interceptions in this month of November. He's been very good taking care of the ball and has not taken many sacks. They've not taken on many negative plays in terms of a passing offense. And that's the biggest reason they've been able to pick up their first AAC win against uh, against South Florida a few weeks ago and then hang around in their last, last AAC battle. Um, it's, who was it? It was against Houston, Clayton doing limb up passing wise and they weren't able to case with the Cougars 43-36 in the loss but still 36 points from that offense largely because of Ian Warner and I bad Temple is run blocking they're just as good pass blocking this team is basically top 10 nationally in sack rate allowed they're top three nationally in passing down sack rate so when teams know that EJ Warner off and back to pass Temple's even better. They clamp down even more on opposing pass rushing attacks. And obviously the Bearcats being right up there in the top five, top 10 nationally in tackles for loss and total sacks as a team. It's a total yin-yang matchup that could bring the Owls crashing down in bad, bad fashion. If Ivan Pace, Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, Jabari Taylor, Jaheim Thomas, all those guys in that front seven start to eat up a little bit on that offensive line. That's the uh, Those are the two biggest matchups to me. The run game in terms of destroying that, making that a non-factor for Temple, and then putting enough pressure on E.J. Warner to where he maybe makes a mistake here or there, throws his first interception of the month, and you get an extra possession or two that way for an offense that we have talked about ad nauseum is struggling over the past six weeks and really all of conference play. Yeah, you mentioned Temple's pass blocking. Um, have they faced a defensive line this good? Mm, UCF. Okay. And things went bad. Well, well. 70 to 13. So this is why I bring up the spread and not the actual game itself, because the, the, the talent is not really there for Temple, especially when they've had to play really good pass rushes. UCF right up there with UC, not quite as good, I would say, top to bottom talent-wise in terms of that front seven compared to the Bearcats. So I'm not expecting 70 to 13. I don't think anybody can expect 70 points maybe in two in the last two games of the season combined from this offense. But the only team that they've played with a true pass rush this season, they got absolutely destroyed. So you bring up the spread, which I I do pay attention to those right? Because we have a lot of betting sponsors and especially here because look at Temple's schedule, right? They lost 70 to 13 to UCF. Bad loss. Their game since they've been competitive. I mean, they, they crushed USF. They gave Houston all they could handle. 
Uh, if I can pull up the schedule, they let me see. There's probably a easier way to get this. Okay, so they got crushed by UCF. They lose 27-16 at Tulsa. Lose in overtime the Navy. Crush USF. Lose by seven to Houston. Mm-hmm. It's not to say they've been they haven't been competitive these last few weeks. No doubt. And and in that UCF game, they really they, they gave up 70 points, but allowed no sacks offensively to EJ Warner. So like I'm saying, the pass rush has to find a way to get home. And that run defense has to stay stout like they've been for much of the season in terms of the Bearcats. And yeah, like it's pretty amazing, honestly, that the Temple Owls, with how well they played over the past month since getting housed by UCF, are 17-point underdogs to a UC team that is not covering spreads this season. It has been a struggle all year long for Cincinnati in terms of beating the number. And I just, it's just not a team that's played consistently well all season long. It's a team that's found ways to win. And that's a big reason why they are 2-7-1 and one against the spread this season. They are just not meeting the expectations that odds makers are setting for them. Seven and one, that's got to improve. Um, so we will get to oh, three and one Yankees. on the road as well. They have yet to cover a spread on the road. One more nugget there. That's a big nugget. I mean, that's okay. So we'll get to your keys to the game, my keys to the game and our score predictions. Speaking of spreads, after a word from Underdog Fantasy, today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to, ooh, excuse me, uh, I feel like I need to have an overlay on the screen, and I do, let me restart that. All right, so speaking of spreads, today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. So, it's easy to get started, easy to play while you're watching your favorite team play. Sports betting isn't legal in Ohio until January 1st, but it's right around the corner. Um, what you can do is you create an account, you look at the different pick'em choices for the Bearcats each week. Um, so, if you want to choose over-under Ben Bryan passing yards, Charles McClellan rushing yards, Ivan Pace sacks, you can do all of that. Go make your own picks just like I will once sports betting is legal in Ohio right now. Underdog Fantasy is easy to play and available. Maybe you're a Bearcats fan living in Indiana, Tennessee. It's easy to play in, uh, and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just the Bearcats, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there. And you can win cold hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. Get in on the college football action today. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on this, or excuse me, the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever. You get your podcast, Alex Frank with you and Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so Bearcats and Temple tomorrow afternoon. Um, your keys to the game and the Bearcats winning their final road regular season game as members of the AAC. How about that? Number one key for me, 
is Ben Bryant. Can we get a decent performance out of Ben Bryant in this contest going up against a Temple team that, that just does not do a whole lot well defensively besides create tackles for loss? Other than that, that, they really don't hammer you. They really are mediocre in terms of pass defense, 252 yards allowed. They are just really, really excuse me, pass yards, pass yards are pretty good. 181 yards allowed. They're averaging 252 on offense. So they're going up against a solid pass defense in the Temple Owls. They are decent in terms of getting after running backs, bringing them down for tackles for loss, ninth nationally in tackles for loss this season. I mean, can Ben Bryant put up a decent performance, a good, solid, consistent 60 minutes out of your number one quarterback? That's the number one key to me. And then number two, my number, my number two key is, that defensive line going up against this Temple offensive line. Can a team ranked top 10, as I mentioned, in tackles for loss and team sack average per game go in and smack this Temple offensive line in the mouth on the run game like they have been getting smacked all season long and in the passing game? Top 10 blocking unit in the country this season, project, protecting EJ Warner. He's a guy that if he starts to get hit a little bit, you can flush through the freshman, only six foot, 190 pounds not a big body that can take a lot of punishment the goal should be to get after him bring that black cats mentality and bring the pain in philadelphia so going up against as i mentioned correct myself there temple Owls past defense pretty solid and it should be a decent test for ben bryant who has failed basically the easier tests he's faced over the past few weeks gotta get those nine to ten missed throws like we've talked about all season down to three to four All right, so I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna say my keys to the game are this. I'm gonna say running the foot. Um, excuse me. Make sure your pass rush is there, because here's a nugget: Temple's offensive line has started ten different combinations this season, mm-hmm. and the only starter to start at his position every game is left tackle Isaac Moore. He started. 10 games at left tackle. He started 55 games in his career. So to me, if your pass rushes, we mentioned in the first segment, excuse me, if they are, if they're able to get to EJ Warner, that's going to make this offense very, excuse me, limited in what they can do. If they can, if they have trouble getting to Warner, Temple's offense, like we mentioned, is a little different this year. And there is a such thing as running as the pass opening up the run. You don't want that. Because if you have to play, like let's say you can't look like you can't load the box, well then Temple's gonna be able to take advantage of light boxes, right? My second key to the game is you gotta be able I came up with it earlier. Um uh pressuring the quarterback. And I will say you've got to be able to run the football because that's just, if you can't run the football, then Cincinnati, essentially they might win this game. And we talked about earlier, but you have no chance to beat UCF. You may not even be able to beat Tulane. If you can't run against Temple's rush defense, which gives them almost 200 yards a game, what are you doing? Right. And, and, and it's, it's just the bottom line. If you can't run the ball here, you're playing into the hands of the Temple Owls. It's a great point, Alex. And to piggyback off that, when you look at this defense, the strength 
is going to be wrecking havoc on Ben Bryant's efficiency. They're number one in the AAC in opponent third down conversion rate, allowing just 34.5% conversion, going up against arguably the most inconsistent offense in the AAC. I would say they're right up there. Sure, they create a lot of big plays. The average points is solid overall nationally, but this is one of the most inconsistent down-to-down offenses in the country in the Cincinnati Bearcats and going up against the most consistent third downs in the conference. They're number one in the AAC in passing yards allowed. They're number one in tackles loss and number one tied with Cincinnati, 32 sacks. If the Bearcats cannot run the football here behind Ryan Montgomery, Charles McClellan, APB out for Corey Kiner, can the guy get on the field somehow and and maximize his natural four-star talent? If none of those things happen, then I don't see the Bearcats having any chance of covering their first spread on the road this season, and it's going to come down to the wire just like that ECU game did on Friday night. Another thing I'll add is don't let Temple think they can win this game. Like, knock them out early. Remember last year, Bearcats were playing Temple game after Notre Dame. There was concern about it being a trap game. Cincinnati wins 52-3. to They left no doubt. I think if you do that in this game, especially because Temple's playing at home. Now, if you had to put an over-under on percentage capacity of Lincoln Financial Field on Saturday, what would you say? What do they hold, about 68,000 there? Maybe we might get 25, yeah. 30, maybe, maybe 40% full. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot like SMU. You're, you're going to have to find a way to create some energy on your sideline. And the last time the Bearcats went to Temple, I didn't think they did that. I was at that game actually in 2018 and they lost. So. And they're 0 2 on the road under Fickle, right? Against Temple? Um, They've only played one time on the road. Okay, yeah. I think I think but, they've lost back-to-back road games. Ever. I will say this, though. They're only 500 against Temple in the Luke Fickle era. Yeah, they're 9-13-1 all-time against them in the full series. Which so really, I mean, I mean really... 17 points, Alex. It's amazing to me that this that this Bearcats team right now in a road conference game is a 17-point favorite. That's, that's amazing yeah. to me right now. I'm not telling people what to do with their money, but my, oh, my. The way that Temple offense is playing compared to how this Bearcats offense is playing, that's an interesting line. That's why I think my score prediction is, I think, I I think sensible and um, logical. I'm going to go 24-17. I don't think Cincinnati is going to score that many points. I think something tells me Temple's going to get their points because they're so prolific in their passing attack. So I'm going to go Temple, uh, or the Bearcats, excuse me, 24-17, Get the win, set up that all-important showdown next Friday. Russ, you're going to be there, right? Black Friday, Nippert Stadium against Tulane for all the, I mean, there's a lot on the line in that game. Yeah, there is. I will be in Florida soaking up the sun for my grandparents' 50th oh. anniversary celebration. So well, happy uh, anniversary to them. Game. Yeah, so that would be fun. But Florida. to me, I'm going to go 33 to 30. I think we get a really oh, tight geez. game here. I think the Bearcats offense wakes up a little bit. The running attack gets going against this lacking uh, AAC rushing defense in the Temple Owls. And then EJ Warner, I think I think they're able to move the ball in this Bearcats defense. And I think it's going to come down to maybe a Ryan Coe field goal like a few games have come down to over the past few weeks. So you're saying the Bearcats are going to score 30 points for the first time since October 1st? Yep. Wow. Talking about not being able to cover a spread in conference play, and you said you said they haven't covered a spread in conference play, right? 
They haven't covered a spread on the road at all this year. Oh, three and on one the on the road. Okay. Oh, three and one. Have they covered a spread in conference play? Yeah. Vamp for a little bit. I can, I can figure that. I don't out think that, I don't think they have my, because if they didn't, if they haven't covered on the road this season, that means they didn't at Tulsa. They certainly didn't against South Florida, SMU. Um, Maybe they did against UCF. Were they underdogs against? They they were underdogs against they UCF. They didn't cover there. No. no, they didn't cover there. Okay, so then I guess they haven't covered a spread in conference play. Yeah, they have not. They have not covered a spread in conference play. Wow. All right. So Russ is thirty three thirty. I think it's a little ambitious. I've got twenty four seventeen. Russ is feeling really good today because I mean, what part of Florida are you going to, and are you passing through Macon, Georgia, on your way down? I'll be flying into Destin, Florida. Oh, Saturday okay. afternoon, I think it is. Yeah. Sunday Sunday afternoon. Okay, so you'll get off the plane in time for the White Bengal in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So, interesting, Russ. It's Cincinnati against Pennsylvania this weekend. I know. It's the full uh, in, in the college and NFL ranks. It's the battle of yeah. PA versus OH. <laughs> it's uh, – I don't think – I don't think any river – the Ohio River doesn't flow to Philadelphia. No, can. Yeah, it does. It goes through Pittsburgh. It well, Pittsburgh. It yes, I'm, I'm saying Phil, I'm saying Philadelphia though. Yeah, it doesn't go to Philadelphia unless. Well, all right, Russ, your Twitter handle has a number in it, correct? Yes. Do you know what your number is similar to? I think it might be the same amount of points that Wes Miller's team scored in the second half last night. Hold that thought. We'll get into that in just a few minutes after I explain to our audience why this episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by Nugenics. Feeling like you just can't get in shape? Well, it's not your fault. As men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active. One more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging while Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel the man like you really want to be. Because Nugenics Total T boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger, leaner, with more energy and drive, and more passion too, and your partner will notice the difference. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC, and Nugenics Total Tea can help you re-energize your life and help you get back to the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text college to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text college to 231-231. Text college to 231-231. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. All right. The number 11. Russ, what was that on Wednesday night? Because, okay, first of all, that was that, okay, that maybe was the second worst part of the game. The worst part of the game was so I'm down here in Georgia and I'm on my break and I'm trying to watch the game on ESPN+. Plus. Well, that didn't work. 
I'm trying to listen to the game on 700 WLW. Now, this I'm not going to blame anybody there. <laughs> I'm actually going to give major credit to Dan Horde and Terry Nelson and Mo Egger calling the game off a cell phone. So that was that. I actually thought they did a great job doing that. So that combined with the second half, Russ, I, I feel like this uh, <laughs> season has hit a roadblock. I know I was so I was so optimistic. I had so much so many great things to say about this team going into the NKU game just on the yesterday, literally on our last episode to close the show. I talked about how much optimism there was, how the new look team, the versatility was looking good, and then they go out and shoot 33.9% from the field, 28.6% from three and sub 35% from the free throw line. Just an unmitigated disaster. And a disaster that I don't think there's a ton of underlying explanation for other than the fact that this team just did not hit shots and they did not hit the open shots that they had the opportunity to hit. And sometimes that's the most analysis you can give as a guy who covers the team. Like Victor Locken, three or four chances that he missed at the rim should have been seven or eight from the field instead of four or eight from the field. Landers Nolly continues to shoot the ball so poorly from outside. He has just been a just a ghost. From anywhere outside of the three-point arc, one for six in this game, came into the contest uh, shooting 23.1% from three. If he's going to be a first-team All-AC player and if he wants to hit his potential in a Bearcats uniform, that has to change quickly. And then David Julius missing a lot of open shots. Jeremiah Davenport missing a lot of open shots. Micah Adams-Woods and Rob Fennessy combining to go one of eight from the field. Rob Fennessy, 26 minutes. You get zero points out of that guard position. It's just so difficult to win a college basketball game when you're getting such little production from your guards like the Bearcats did last night. 13 combined points from Mike Adams-Woods, Rob Fennessy, and David DeJulius on, what, 5 of 18 shooting? It was ugly to watch. Ugly to watch. I mean, when you don't have a double-digit score, it's hard to win. Um and, and, like, the first half, like, I saw some good things. Josh Reed, I mean, hey. Two for two. And, you know, I felt like the Bearcats did a nice job battle, you know, weathering that early storm. I mean, you were there. Like, the crowd was in, you know, they were incredible. It was um, the it was the craziest crowd I've seen at any basketball game I've covered, either at Fifth Third Arena or on the road. And I was shocked. Not shocked, but yeah. I was... I was very impressed with the fan turnout from NKU. It was the biggest game there since West Virginia came to uh, to Truist Arena back in 2014. So the fans showed out, and their energy really sparked NKU in the first half to take that early lead, and then it just destroyed the confidence of the Bearcats in the second half. I asked Wes Miller after the game, I was like, do you think the crowd played any effect on what happened? And he just kind of threw up his hands and said, I don't really know. When you, when you shoot sub 40%, from th- from the free throw line, and then you're under 34% from the field and from three, it's hard to pinpoint one thing that exactly went wrong. But the effect of that crowd was palpable last night in Highland Heights. Do you think this team got exposed in any way? <sighs> Maybe it's just one bad shooting night, but this team entered this game shooting 31% from three as a team. It's just you're not going to meet your goals this season in this playing style that they want to do, putting up 20-plus threes a game, 
hitting 30% of those shots. It's just too hard to get the amount of points you need to pull off these wins. And it might be an aberration. This was the third worst shooting percentage as a team in the West Miller era. And sure, it probably won't look this bad the rest of the season, but it might. It might look this bad on those rec center gyms, rec center rims next week in Maui against some of the best defenses in the country. And Alex, like, they only mustered 51 points, 11 in the second half, against the team in NKU that was 182nd in Ken Palm coming into this game. The only team outside of the or inside the top 200 that they faced in the first four games, they got beat by double digits. So it is definitely a wake up call. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here and maybe you could help me. I'm struggling to, to try to make season cementing declarations off this game, as opposed to just considering it a one-off and seeing how the three games in three days play out next week. That's probably what I'm going to do, but I was so optimistic about this squad going into NKU and in all of the big issues in terms of the lack of size, the lack of big presence to break down a match zone, which they went to Victor Locke in a decent amount last night, but he can't, he can't handle that type of Oscar Shibway, Shaquille O'Neal workload. That's going to carry an offense for an entire 40 minutes. And when they don't have that option and they can't hit shots from the outside, you get exactly what you had last night. 51 points total, 11 in the second half, four made field goals. Yeah. I mean, it was just a disappointing second half all the way around. Um, And my thing is, like, I I, I want to say this is just a blip, but Russ, the non-conference schedule, I don't know if it's good enough if at the end of the season you're on the bubble and they say, well, NKU. Now, if right. NKU I, – I, and I want to say, well, if NKU makes the tournament, hey, you know, but, I mean – like they were projected. Chris, they were picked by the coaches to win the Horizon this year. Multiple okay. preseason All Horizon League players like Marquez Warwick and Chris Brandon. I mean that guy, Alex. Oh my lord! Sixteen rebounds. He's the best rebounder in college basketball. I'll put. I'll say it. Yeah, now. he's the best rebounder in college basketball. I think West said he led the country in offensive rebound rate last year. Sixteen rebounds yesterday. Entered the game averaging fourteen and a half on the season. The dude's like Dennis Rodman out there with his timing on the glass at six foot eight. He doesn't wow you with his size, but his energy and his basketball acumen was hugely important for NKU last night. And and NKU is a good team. I think I haven't checked with the I'll, I'll check with the Ken Palm, uh, boost them up to after that win. But they're right there in the middle of the pack out of the three hundred fifty three teams nationally. And going into that game, and then they go they get the job done. So I would imagine it boosted them from one. 80 into the 160s something like that but overall like you can't you can't get beat by double digits in that type of game sure you can lose on the road against a team like nku i don't think that's that's too terrible but to put up 51 points in your first true road test and the only true road test until you get to aac play it's just going to make fans feel very wary, especially if things don't break for the Bearcats way over the next three weeks coming out of the Crosstown shootout in the, what is that, December 11th, December 10th? December 10th. Um, I am hoping to be there for that game. Um, so, interesting. Yeah, in uh, Northern Kentucky, 151 now in Ken Palm. Moved up 31 spots interesting. off of that big victory you see. They're an experienced team. 
I mean, they they came close to making the tournament last year. If you remember, they lost a heartbreaker to Wright State in the uh, Horizon League Championship game. And this year they have, I mean, Mark, Marquez Warwick, Trayvon Faulkner, feels like they've been there forever. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Maui, Arizona's first up. I mean, you, <laughs> you want to talk about a challenge. Well, you got a challenge. What do you want to see from this team in Maui? Because, I mean, look, that first game, tough draw. You win that first game, though, hey, let's see where this team can go. I mean, cover the spread. I think it's going to be probably, I would say that the the Wildcats will be favored by eight, nine points in this game, I would imagine. Uh, Arizona enters the contest right up there in Ken Palm's ratings or third or 12th overall in the country to Cincinnati's 70 or excuse me, 67th ranked standing. I think keeping this game close, just getting some moral victory out of it, looking better, shooting the ball better, getting a, any semblance of a consistent attack from outside is going to be how you judge success off this game. But I don't think any Bearcats fan expects them to go to Maui and win multiple games let alone beating Arizona to start the tournament. Should be interesting. It's going to be a late night for both of us. Monday night has the Bearcats in Maui. When was the last time they played in Maui? 2008, I think. The vibes were a lot different back in, actually, well, they were probably kind of similar back in 08. That was another kind of, kind of downturn for the, for the program. Yeah. I feel like this team though should be better than that team. Um, Russ Elman's on Twitter at Russ Heltman 11. Uh, he's my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. He's been on twice with me this week. Um, are you going to be able to make it next week, even though you're going to be in Destin? I think so. I don't, I'm not bringing my recording equipment, so you're going to have to go with the we'll have to go with the FaceTime audio. But I'll be able to pop in. FaceTime audio. All right, we'll be able to do that. Following Maui, looking ahead to Tulane next week. Hopefully, with the conference championship hopes still alive. Russ Heldman, thank you for joining me, and uh, happy anniversary to your grandparents. And uh, we wish you the best. Appreciate it, Alex. A lot of fun. Can't wait to do it again next week. Thank you, Russ Hellman, for joining today. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Locked On Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Back tomorrow to recap the Bearcats and Temple game. That'll be for Monday's show as well. We'll go further into the game on Tuesday. Wednesday, get some film review and takeaways. We'll also... Um, break we'll also cover the Maui Invitational Thursday Russ Elman will join me Friday we're going to hopefully talk with uh, um, a sideline reporter named Maddie Hudak down in Tulane she's the sideline reporter for Greenway Football we'll try to get her on to preview the all-important Black Friday matchup between the Bearcats and Tulane for Lockdown Bearcats my name is Alex Frank please stay safe and stay healthy this weekend if you're going to Philadelphia for the game if you're watching the game downtown Cincinnati or on Short Vine um Please stay safe. If you're traveling, enjoy your family. Um, I know I'll, I'm going to enjoy mine. Um, but 
stay safe, stay healthy, and so you can enjoy your family, enjoy your Thanksgiving, and keep making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow after the Bearcats and Temple.